Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the word of God. Something has just been stirring in this church, and we're going to begin something that we hope to carry on as a tradition, and that is to have the resurrection season, where we take time leading up to uh, Easter, Resurrection Sunday, and really focusing on the things that the Lord taught us, the prophets taught us, the psalmist taught us concerning the death that he would suffer, his burial, and his resurrection. And we're actually going to begin this tonight. But I hope you are able to make it for the next two Wednesday nights. God is going to move. Brother Corneo, who bases out of this church, has a very powerful ministry. And if you need the Holy Ghost, you're going to get the Holy Ghost. Amen. You need a healing, you're going to get a healing. And I just believe that the true spirit and the true power of the resurrection is going to be with us on those Wednesday nights. Amen. We're excited about it. Amen. I want to... Um, share with you before we get in the word. This actually is a really big week for me. This is a uh, anniversary week for me. 31 years ago, for the first time in my life, I felt the spirit of God for the very first time. I was eight years old, 1991, on March 29th. Just yesterday, I celebrated 31 years of being touched by God. And I will never forget being in that youth convention. I was playing a Game Boy and uh, I was looking down at that Game Boy, and I was uh, playing the game Zelda. Some of you gamers out there know what I'm talking about. And I mean, I was raiding dungeons and saving the princess and being a hero all on my own with that Game Boy. And I'll never forget the preacher closing his Bible and giving the altar call. Some of you may have been there at youth convention that year. And in that service, for the first time, as a bunch of teenagers older than I got up and began to rush the altar, something pulled on my heart and said, you should come forward too. And I got up for the first time, put the Game Boy in my pocket, never did it before in my life. I walked down and got as close as I could, raised my hands, and for the first time, began to cry in the presence of God. And I've never stopped crying. I've never stopped coming to the altar because Jesus was so real in that moment. And I just thank God for 31 years ago, I saw the cross that night, and I'm still seeing it, amen, in this season. Praise God. Amen. So glory to God. Amen. Glory to God. And soon after that, I was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost and so many wonderful things. Amen. Amen. Everybody has a journey with God. And be sure to always tell your story when you can because you never know who you can reach out and touch. Amen. With your story. Praise God. Amen. I want to minister the word of the Lord tonight. My subject is the son of man must be lifted up. The son of man must be lifted up. I want to read, first of all, in the book of Numbers, going to the Old Testament, the book of Numbers, chapter number 21, in verses 4 through 9, and then over to John chapter 3, verses 14 through 15. Numbers 21, 4 through 9, then John 3, verses 14 through 15. If you're a note taker, I recommend you pair these two passages together because they reference one another. They reference one another. The Bible says in Numbers 21, verse 4, Then they journeyed 
from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he may take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be everyone who is bitten. When he looks at it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And so it was, if a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the serpent, the bronze serpent, he lived. On over to the Gospel of John, chapter number 3. John chapter number 3, verses 14 and 15. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Can you say amen to the word? Amen. The Son of Man must be lifted up. This message, this word, this Bible study is for anybody who feels bitten by this world in this time in your life. For anybody who feels far from the Lord, for anybody who feels like you have no hope, I've come to tell you that Jesus is in the house and because he's here, you have hope. And tonight, anybody who needs physical healing and emotional and spiritual healing, tonight is your night, praise God. Jesus hinted that his death was coming to his followers. And there's three passages, mainly in the New Testament, where the Lord likens his death to an Old Testament instance. He told some people that doubted him one time, he said, as Jonah was in the heart of the earth, or excuse me, as Jonah was in the belly of a whale for three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. He took that Old Testament story and said, as Jonah had to suffer in the belly of that fish but was preserved to be spit out upon the seashore to go and preach to Nineveh who repented, I am going to be like that. And it was fulfilled. They didn't understand it at the moment, but it was fulfilled. For Jesus was rejected. Jesus suffered. He bled and died, and they put him in the grave. And for three days and three nights, he was in the grave and then he came out of it miraculously. Hell vomited his soul out of hell because hell could not keep the soul of the innocence and the just spirit of the Son of God, which was why hell was judged, which is why hell was condemned because it tried to take Jesus. 
And that's how Jesus took authority over hell because hell could not take an innocent man. Praise God. That's why he went to hell. You think about that. God went to hell. You know why he went to hell? So you and I wouldn't have to go to hell one day. He came down there and paid the price and said, because you broke the law and trying to take me, I now judge you because you tried to take my innocent blood down here where it doesn't belong. You tried to take my innocent soul down here where it doesn't belong. That's why the blood of Jesus is so powerful and why we have his spirit, his soul inside of us now. Because if you have the blood of God on your life and you have the spirit and soul of God on your life, hell can't take you as it tried to take Jesus. Anybody thankful for power over hell tonight? Come on. Hallelujah. Praise God. Jesus said also, you remember the story in the Old Testament about the stone that the builders rejected. I am going to be like that. And the story goes that when Solomon and all the people began to build the temple, the first stone that they brought in, they looked at it and said, this stone is wrong. This stone is not going to work. This stone is not good enough. We're ready for better stones and bigger stones. And they cast aside this first stone that was brought to the temple mount. And the tradition goes for the seven years that they built that temple, that weeds and grass and all kinds of debris grew around that stone. And then finally at the end, at the end of the construction, the last stone to be laid, the cornerstone, they looked at the quarry and all the builders and there was no stone that would fit. And somebody said, what about that stone over there that all the weeds are growing around? And they dug that old stone out and the tradition says that stone that they rejected in the beginning fit right in there to complete the temple. And what Jesus is saying, I may not look like exactly what you expect, I don't come from a big town. I don't come from the best family. I may not have all the riches that you think a king should have, but one day, amen, your rejection of me at the very end of it all, you're going to find out that I'm the very piece that you need to become complete in me, to become complete in God, to be complete in this life. Amen. Is anybody here, amen, the missing piece of your life? Amen. When Jesus was put right there, amen, it fit so nicely. Hallelujah. Amen. He said, I'm like Jonah. I am like the cornerstone. And he tells Nicodemus and John, you know the story about Moses making a bronze serpent, putting it on a pole and setting it up and everybody who was bitten by those snakes? Yeah, that's me someday. I am going to be like that for Israel. And the story goes, God brought Israel out of Egypt. You know, they called out to God and complained to the Lord, complained to God about Egypt, complained to the Lord about the bondage, complained to the Lord about the horrible, horrible, the Bible says the rigor that they had to endure because of the Egyptian taskmasters. And God heard their complaints and said, I don't like you being in bondage anyway. You don't belong here. You belong in the place that I promised to your father, Abraham. And the Lord heard their cries and delivered them out of the land of Egypt. But the day came when they were in that wilderness and journeying through that wilderness that they no longer were complaining about Egypt to God, but rather they were complaining about the wilderness and about the bread from heaven that was coming down to them. They literally were complaining to God about God's provision. 
See, let me tell you something. It's okay to complain about the trouble that the devil causes you. God likes to hear that. He does. It's okay to complain to God about what mankind may be troubling you with. And I'm going to share a secret with you. It's okay to even complain to God about the trouble that you caused yourself. God likes to hear it. He wants you to cast your burdens upon him. And you know what's something? He answers prayers. Amen. He'll fight the battle for you. If the devil himself, literally demons, are troubling your life, amen, you use the name of Jesus, the blood, amen, you watch the devils flee, amen, and you'll have peace. That person who has risen up against you, amen, you don't have to fight. You don't have to quarrel. You know what you can do? Call upon the God who takes vengeance, amen, for his beloved, and watch God take care of the situation. If you've made mistakes, if you caused yourself your own setbacks, oh, friend, let me tell you what, Jesus, amen, is compassionate, and he is merciful, amen. And if anybody will humble themselves and call out to him and say, Lord, I messed up, help me, oh, you better believe it, God will be right there, amen, to help you get back on your feet, amen, praise the Lord. But when it comes to complaining to God about God, complaining to God about what he's done, uh-uh. Oh, no. Israel said, we'd rather be back in Egypt than be out here in this desert. We would rather be in slavery again than on this journey to the promised land. And God said, all right, you want Egypt back? I'll let you have a little taste of Egypt, what you left. And the Bible says that fiery serpents began to come into the camp. Anybody in here afraid of snakes? Hallelujah. You know, you think you're brave and strong and a real man, a big Egyptian cobra comes into your house, I guarantee it, you'll tear a new back door into that house. Mm. And uh, these fiery serpents were not literal pieces of fire. They were not snakes made of fire. That's what they called the Egyptian cobras in that time, the fiery serpents because of the color of their scales. It looked like a bronze fire. And not only that, but they were so fast. They could move and flicker just like the flame that you would see in a campfire. And the Bible says that these serpents infiltrated that camp and began to bite the people. And the venom of those bites began to make many of them very sick and many of them even to the point of death. The very God that they complained against, God said, fine, you want it your way, I'll step aside and let everything you want come your way. This is Egypt that you want now again. And the people realized these snakes didn't just happen by random some chance. Oh, no, this is God trying to get our attention. This is not just nature being nature. This is not just snakes doing what snakes do. Oh, no, these are Egyptian cobras. They don't exist in the wilderness here. We remember these type of serpents when we were in Egypt. And the Bible says they cried out to God and cried out to Moses and said, forgive us. We repent. Take away these serpents. God didn't say to Moses, wave your hand over the people and say, be healed. He didn't tell him to do that. He told them to do something very interesting. He said, you don't go over there and pick up a serpent, but instead make 
an image of the serpent out of bronze so it looks very similar to these Egyptian cobras and put that snake on a pole and set it up and anybody who comes and looks at that serpent will be made whole. What an unusual way for God to do a miracle. What an unusual way. God works in mysterious ways sometimes, doesn't he? You know, sometimes we think, God, are you unusual? God, are you weird? You know, I've never seen a miracle happen in a normal way. Never have. It's always something very unusual. But I learned a long time ago, God is not unusual. God is not weird. I'm weird. I'm the one who is unusual. God is the one who is normal. God is the one who does everything right. And just because he doesn't do it when I want it and how I want it doesn't mean that God is wrong. But mark it down. Every miracle that God will ever give you, he will do it in a way and do it in a certain timing and do it in a particular manner so that you can look at the miracle and not say, mankind did this. I did this. But God designs the miracles and, and sets up the supernatural so that his people in the world may know that there is a God in heaven. Hallelujah. We've seen this as a church. God has never been last minute for us ever. From the selling of our old building to the relocation to finishing strong, God has never been late, but his timing is perfect so that you and I can know that it was not our might, it was not our power, but it was by God's spirit, amen, that brought us through, praise the Lord. Now God told Aaron, throw your staff down, and that staff became a serpent. And that serpent in the court of Pharaoh before the deliverance, that serpent began to eat up the serpents of the Egyptian magicians. You know, God told Moses, stretch out your staff over the Nile River. And what did it become? Blood. You know, what's interesting, you think about this, that Nile River, their greatest drinking source. But years before that, decades before that, became the graveyard of the innocent Hebrew babies. It was like God saying, you spilt innocent blood, I now return the blood unto you. It was God fighting blood with blood. The people, as they journeyed in the wilderness, came across bitter waters. They couldn't drink it. The waters were poisonous. And Moses doesn't take a nice bag of sugar and throw the sugar in the water to sweeten it up. He doesn't, you know, mix it together with some soda or maybe a little sugar and a few tea bags, some sweet tea, right? He didn't do that. The Bible says he took a stick. I've had a lot of unusual tasting water, but stick-flavored water, not going to work. I could handle the cucumber water that people are drinking now. Maybe a little bit of that, uh, that uh, tea that you have a scooby in it or something like that. I forget what that is. Some of you all drink that. I forget what they call that. Kumbacha tea, right? Could have a little bit of that, but stick-flavored water, no. A stick would make water taste bitter, gross, but God said, you are going to save this water and heal this bitter water with a stick. God has his way of when we're up against something, it's like fighting fire with fire. 
It's like the principle of iron sharpens iron. And what he was showing Israel that day, I'm going to fight the poisonous serpents with a serpent. God is saying, as quickly as I could send a poisonous serpent unto you, so I could make a servant that or a serpent that could cause you to live. God has his way of taking the very thing that troubles us and using the very weapons against that thing to come against it. Praise the Lord. God gave Israel another chance. He could have ignored their prayers. He could have said, fine, die by the serpents. But oh no, God was merciful. And God heard their call and said, I'll answer your call, even though it was a setback of your own doing. And he gave them another chance with this fiery serpent. And the Bible says everybody who was bitten by those cobras came. And when they looked upon the brazen serpent, they were healed of their wounds. And they were healed of the venom. They were healed of the pain. They were healed of death itself. And Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. You know, he told him, if you want to see the kingdom of heaven, you've got to be born again. You've got to be born of water. That's baptism. You've got to be born of the spirit. That's the gift of the Holy Ghost. But ultimately, he was teaching him, you are got to be healed from the very thing that cursed the world itself, and that is sin and death. And what the Lord told Nicodemus that night, that late at night when he came to him, he said, as Moses lifted up that serpent to heal the bites of the snakes, he said, I am going to be lifted up one day to heal the wounds, the bites of the world. Amen. Not just for this generation, but for many generations to come. As that brazen serpent was made and manufactured by the man of God, so was Jesus made and manufactured by heaven itself. Amen. And it wasn't Moses that lifted him up. Oh no, it was sinful Roman soldiers. God was using the very sin and the very cruelty. Amen. So that you and I who have suffered cruelty, so you and I who suffered injustice, amen. What Jesus did there on the cross, amen, it could come against it. Hallelujah. The cross was a picture of hell itself. It was a picture of suffering. It was a picture of torment. And Jesus said, if anybody will come to this cross, if anybody will look upon it and believe on it, amen, the power of eternal life is yours. Hallelujah. He died so you and I would not have to die. And it's something all throughout the New Testament, anytime a believer a Christian would die. They would never say, and such and such died. And such and such died. Oh, no. It says, and such and such slept. Stephen, the first martyr, he slept and gave up the ghost. James rested. All of them rested. You want to know why? Because you and I don't die. It is as if we go to sleep. You and I, all of us, Unless you've got an insomnia problem. We can pray for you after this. But most of us are going to go home and conk out because we've got a busy day tomorrow. You know what? You lay down and when you are asleep, it is as if you are dead. But you're not dead. You know why? Because that alarm is going to go off. Some of you at 3 a.m., some of you at 4 a.m., some of you at 5 a.m., some of you at 6 a.m. Some of you get up before your alarm because your body wants your coffee. But you get up 
You don't die when you lay down. You sleep because you're going to get back up. And you and I don't die anymore because Jesus died for us already. You and I sleep when we pass away. You know why? Because a day's going to come when he's going to come back from heaven. And you and I, amen, as we lay in the ground, amen, our soul and body is going to reunite and we're going to get up out of that grave and be with him for all eternity. That happened because of the cross. It happened because he was hung up there on that cross. It went from the serpent on the pole to the Son of God on the cross for the very thing that caused death itself, and that was our sin. All of us have sinned. All of us have complained. All of us at one point were discouraged with God. All of us at one point were far from God. All of us at one point were deserving just like Israel to be bitten of those serpents. And God could have gave up on the world a long time ago, but Jesus was made and manufactured right from God himself, amen, to pay a price as a son of God on that pole so you and I could live, so you and I could have mercy, so you and I could have grace another day. Hallelujah for many that look upon the cross. It's foolishness. It's silliness. Why would death mean anything? I know it was ugly. I know it was horrible. It was shameful. It was awful. But he hung on that cross, amen, to deliver us of our shame. He hung on that cross to deliver us of our suffering. He hung on that cross to deliver us of our pain. Hallelujah. You and I were in mind that day here in 2022 when he was on that cross. Hallelujah. He is our serpent on the pole. That's why we have life. That's why we have a purpose. That's why we have grace. That's why we have a hope. Hallelujah. Can you clap your hands under the Lord? All of the musicians that please come. What you're going through, you got to give it to be delivered from it. If you feel like you've been crying tears lately for sorrow, why not fight those tears of sorrow with tears of joy at the altar tonight? If you feel low, hallelujah, why not come against that feeling low by kneeling down and getting low at the altar tonight, hallelujah. If you're feeling down, amen, you can get down and fight that down with God, hallelujah. If you feel sorrow in your life right now, let me tell you what, sorrow in the presence of God can combat the sorrow that you feel in your life. I'm talking about a God who gave us victory with that cross. You know, the cross happened nearly 2,000 years ago. I've seen the very place, amen, that Jesus was crucified. I remember, amen, hearing from our guide all of the wars, all of the sieges, all of the conquerings of that city and that land. And I remember wondering, God, why has the devil fought against this city, Jerusalem, and this place so long? Why does he care? And the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, if it hadn't been for what I did here in this place, Satan would have won. He hates Calvary. If it were not for that little hill, he could have won. But because of the blood that was shed on that little hill, hallelujah, the people who come to me have a chance. You know, scientists says once blood is spilt on the ground, the DNA is forever in the ground. It can't be removed. And DNA itself, even out of the body, has a voice. It still vibrates. 
And the voice of Christ is still calling from that ground out of Jerusalem for all those that have the blood applied to their lives, that you are free and you are innocent and you are made whole. It happened because of the cross. We would have never had the day of Pentecost if it hadn't been for the cross. We would have never had the miracles of the book of Acts if it hadn't been for the cross. The cross is the beginning of it all. We wouldn't be able to heal or to touch hearts if it hadn't been for the cross. Out of all the stories in the Bible, the powerful stories, Jesus took that instance right there with Moses and that brazen serpent, and he's saying to the church today, I am that for you. If you are hungry, amen, for a Lord that was hung up for you, I invite you to stand with me right now in his presence. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. In the beginning of your Bible, it says that God placed a tree in the garden. It's called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You know, there were thousands of different kinds of trees. God said you may freely eat from any one of those trees, but one tree you may not eat of, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But through the power of temptation, through the trickery and the lies and the subtlety of that serpent up there in that tree, mankind sinned. You think about that, it's a tree and what's in it? A serpent. A tree with a serpent. It's like a picture of what Moses did with that serpent on a pole. And it's a picture of what Jesus did on that cross. You know what Satan was trying to do at that moment? Mimic God. He was trying to become like God. The spirit of deception is in the earth. The snake is still as it were in that tree. And he is trying to do everything he can against this world and against this church to question, has God really said? Has God really done it? And I tell you what, one of Satan's greatest lies is God doesn't care about you. You're too cruel. You're too wicked. You've gone too far. God's love is not for you. God's mercy is not for you. Let me tell you this. The Lord knows all about rejection. He knows all about betrayal. He went through the rejection, amen, to cure you of your rejection. He went through the betrayal that you've suffered, amen so that you could be released of that betrayal. Oh, my friend, the blood of Jesus is so precious. It is so powerful, hallelujah. And it's so pure and so innocent, it can cover any sin that's in this room tonight. It can cover, amen, any feelings of guilt that is in this room tonight. It can cover, amen, anybody who feels just hollow on the inside. Hallelujah, his cross becomes alive and real as if it was happening right now through the spirit and your mind and in your soul if you will just come to it right now. This altar right now, as it were, is turned into Mount Calvary. And if there's anybody, amen, who wants to be washed and renewed by the blood of Jesus, I invite you to come, amen, to look upon God right now. Amen, don't think you don't need it. Oh, that's a dangerous place, oh no. I don't care how long you've been saved, hallelujah. You need the cross. You need the renewal of it. Amen. Won't you come and thank the Lord, amen, for the season we're entering into right now. It's the season of the resurrection, hallelujah. Come and bring your fears right now. Hallelujah. There's talk of war right now. We need the cross. There's talk of the pandemic and restrictions, amen, coming back. We need the cross. 
There's talk of so many other things that are so disturbing. We need the cross. Hallelujah. I come against the venom that's in your soul right now. I come against the bites, amen, that have marked you and discouraged you. And I pray the blood of Jesus to wash over you now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your failures are nailed to that cross right now. Your hurts are nailed to that cross right now. Your trouble is nailed to that cross right now. Hallelujah. And if you're fighting hell, the cross fights for you. Hallelujah. It's for anybody and everybody who will come to it. It's for anybody and everybody who will look upon it. Hallelujah, it's there for you. Won't you take advantage of it? Won't you believe in it? Hallelujah. Healing of God come right now to our minds. Peace of God come to our hearts. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel like for those of you that felt like your whole life you were never good enough, let me tell you, you were good enough for a Savior to die for you. For those of you that felt like, amen, you were never, ever capable enough, oh, you were capable of the blood of Jesus. He did it for you. He did it for you so you could join him in heaven one day. Hallelujah. He accepted you. Won't you accept him? Hallelujah. Oh, the blood of Jesus right now is here upon us in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Call out to him right now. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. For those of you that feel low, amen, your lowness that you feel right now is combating it. Your tears, amen, in the presence of God are fighting your tears of depression. Hallelujah. The anguish you're going through right now in the presence of God is fighting the mental anguish right now. Hallelujah. I want God. I want God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at the Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.